Podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. Super excited about today's episode. So excited, in fact, that this is the second time I've recorded it because the first time it was an hour and 45 minutes, and that is entirely way too long. So what I decided to do is I'm going to do two separate episodes. The first one, which is right now, is I'm just going to be talking about the rest of my trip up to northern Iraq and central Iraq through Baghdad, Mosul, and Erbil and Iraqi Kurdistan. And then the second episode of this part um, is actually just going to be sort of like a wrap-up of my entire trip through Iraq. I feel like that kind of deserves its own episode. I had a lot of information that I kind of just wanted to um, emphasize and put into a nice little package for anyone who's interested in traveling there. So that'll be coming out in the next couple of days. Um, but hopefully that will kind of make this second part of my trip a little bit more um, concise. So, like I said, this episode, Central Northern Iraq, Baghdad, Mosul, and Erbil. Baghdad is obviously the capital of Iraq. A lot of people will probably just be flying into Baghdad, which is totally cool. Um, the visa on arrival program works pretty simply through the Baghdad um, airport. And in fact, I talked about him last episode, but uh, a guy named Doug Bernard, he actually just posted a video early in July, I believe, or maybe even in June, about the visa on arrival process in the Baghdad airport. Like he films basically the entire thing. So very helpful. I definitely recommend checking that out if that is the route that you are going to go. Um, I think normally if you are going south, that's usually the first place that you would go is you'd go down south and then you'd come back to Baghdad and continue north so this would probably be the second half of your adventure just like um, mine just a little bit of a different route so the one thing i want to mention before i even get into this episode is an app called kareem and kareem is basically like uber in iraq and the cool thing about kareem is that one obviously you can just type in you know where you want to get picked up from where you want to get dropped off at um, it'll tell you the price, and that's it. There's no haggling. There's no making sure the person knows where you want to go, anything like that. It's super straightforward. But two, and my favorite part, was that you could use your credit card on the app. Now, I don't know about you, but when I travel, I really like to use my credit card for several reasons. One, for like fraud. Like If someone tries to scam me with my credit card, I can get that money back. I'm protected. But two, it just frees up the cash that I do have. I always travel with a little bit of cash, but I don't like to spend it because if I get into a bind where I can't use my credit card, then I have the backup cash. So I always like to be able to use my credit card whenever possible. And since there are very few, I wasn't able to use my credit card anywhere in Iraq. This gave me an opportunity to kind of save some of the cash that I had in my pocket and you know spend three or four dollars just on my credit card every time I was taking a taxi instead of like, you know, 10,000 IQD or whatever. So that being said, I definitely recommend checking out Kareem. It only worked for me in Baghdad and in Herbal. It might have also worked in Mosul, and I'll get to this later in the episode, but I actually didn't have to use a taxi at all in Mosul, so I didn't even check to see if it worked. Um, but just for, you know, planning purposes, plan on it, only really working in larger cities, Mosul was a pretty large city, so chances are I bet it would work there, but no promises. It worked in Baghdad and Erbil um, really well, though, so definitely recommend checking that out. The prices are probably a little bit more expensive than just like going out on the street. Um, every one of my taxis with like a little tip at the end was about $6 each, and you know, maybe if I'd gone out into the street and gotten a taxi, it'd have been four or five. Um, not enough of a difference to really make it worth it, in my opinion. But once again, that's up to you. But I would recommend checking it out. I think it would be a good idea at least to have just in case you get into a situation where you need to use your credit card or you just don't want to have to deal with the taxis there. Okay, so I've mentioned this before, but traveling in Iraq is kind of, there's not a lot of correct information on the internet. And that even comes to opening hours for different um, things around the city. So, and even locations for things around the city, if we're being honest. So the first thing that I totally recommend doing, you've got to do while you're in Baghdad, because if you're in Iraq, I assume you're there for historical reasons. And so 
one of the best places in all of Iraq was the National Museum of Iraq. It's an awesome museum. They have a ton of ancient artifacts from like the Assyrians, Babylonians. It's awesome. And when you go into the museum, there's so much there. And during the Iraq invasion, like I think 75% or something of the entire museum was looted. And they've only gotten like half of that stuff back. So the fact that this isn't even close to what they used to have is pretty mind-blowing. There were a few rooms in the museum that were some of the most impressive of any museum I've been to. Um, there was one where the there were two huge lamassus at the end with a big statue of like a Babylonian king uh, in between them, and then the side walls were just covered in uh, high relief um, sculptures and it was I, I felt like i was sort of like in a temple or something and just all along the side walls was just like a um a story just carved into the walls it was incredible and then the floor part of the floor when you first came in there was like the entrance way to an old temple and it was just like complete mosaics it was huge and it just like you could almost feel like you were just in this ancient temple just right there you know looking down like at the statues the carvings it was awesome one of the top 10 rooms in a museum that i think i've ever been to it was really cool and immersive really awesome but they have some great stuff there i will say their opening hours are very short and i think they fluctuate a little bit so the museum i think it opens around like 10 in the morning and it closes at like two so you've got like four hours to see this awesome museum which is really cutting it short. Um, I will say, I think I got there around 10.30. I left around 1.30. So I was there for about three hours. And I went through the museum in reverse chronological order. And so I started with like the Islamic history. And that's not really my thing. Like, I like the BCs and like, you know, first couple hundred years of the 80s. And so... Um, I kind of I glanced and I looked over some cool stuff like I made sure to like glance at everything but if it wasn't just like eye catching then I just you know moved on through so I really brushed off a large portion of that museum and still you know made it out with just like 30 minutes to spare so if you are just like really into the entire history of Iraq you had better make sure that you're there when the doors open and you might even need another day to come back um, so <clears throat> I got to Baghdad on a Friday. I was planning on staying there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, leaving on Monday. So that's four days, like two full days and then a part of another day really. And so <clears throat> Friday is like the holy day in Iraq. And so like their weekend is kind of like Friday, Saturday. A lot of sites around the country are closed on Friday, like a lot of the big sites. So make sure when you're planning, you either check your information of whether things are open or closed with someone who's actually there, or um, just keep that in mind when you're trying to figure out what to do on a Friday. So anyways, I'm showing up on a Friday, and I believe it was Google Maps said that Friday and Saturday the museum was closed. I'm like, okay, well that makes sense because a lot of things are closed Friday, so it checks out. So because of that, I plan my entire schedule around this. So I plan Friday, Saturday, I'm doing some things. Sunday, going to the museum. Like that was the only thing on my schedule for Sunday. And then Monday I was leaving. So I had it all planned out. I was staying basically an extra day just for the museum so that I could go in when it was opened. So Friday and Saturday, I do the things I'm about to tell you about. And so then I'm all ready for the museum on Sunday. I get up, I, I think I got there like right when they were supposed to open, like right at 10 o'clock. And the gates are locked and the door is shut. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Well, I look down the street and there's like another entrance. And so I walk down there and there's a security guard. And I'm like, basically, is the museum open? And he's like, nope museum's closed and I like pull up Google Maps I'm like Google map like this says that you're open today and he is like nope we are closed on Saturdays and Sundays and I'm like so you're telling me you're open on Fridays and he's like yep we're open on Fridays closed Saturday Sunday he's like come back tomorrow we'll be open then I'm like 
I'm supposed to be headed to Mazel tomorrow, but maybe like I'm gonna have to switch things around. And luckily, you know, you can't really plan a lot in advance when it comes to traveling to Iraq. And so I knew that there were gonna be some hiccups, so I planned a couple of extra days in the country for things like this. So I was like, okay, it's not the end of the world, it's just frustrating that the information that you have planned stuff around is incorrect. So I'm like, okay, well, I literally had nothing to do because I, like I said, this was my supposed to be my last day in Baghdad, and so I'd done all the other activities that I wanted to do in the city. So there's a park right next to this um, museum. It's called Zara Park, and I've been to a park like this, kind of, in Nepal. I think it was called like Heaven's Garden or Garden of Heaven or something like that. I can't remember in Kathmandu. And you basically like you pay a couple dollars and you get to go in and it's just like this paradise in the middle of this, you know, busy, crowded, dusty city. So I see this park and the weird thing about parks in Iraq is they're like all fenced in. There's like one gate for an entire huge park and like google maps never takes you to the gate so you like just get to the park there's a gate and you're like hmm should i go right or left and then you just start walking and hope you get to a gate sooner than you would have gone the other way so i walk to this park because i have nothing to do so i'm like it's 10 in the morning i got a full day to kind of blow off so i'm just walking around i get to this park and i walk for probably like 10 minutes until i finally find a gate and so I start to go in, and you have to go buy a ticket. I'm like, hmm, is this worth buying a ticket for? Luckily, the ticket was like a thousand IQD, like fifty cents or something like that. And so I went ahead, I bought a ticket. I went inside. It, I really don't even know what this place was, right? So there's like a lake in the center of it. There was like playground equipment. There were like carnival rides. There were like little restaurants. Um, it was just kind of like a bunch of everything like there was this old guy fishing with just like a string and a hook like in one of the little ponds and pulling out these like tiny little bluegill i don't know if he was going to eat them or what but there might have been like an ounce of meat on each of those things um so all in all interesting scenario there so i kind of just walked around like i said it was like 10 30 in the morning i had been I hadn't seen grass in, you know, a week and I was like, I just need to see some grass and maybe a little bit of water. So I walked over to like where the lake was. There was a nice bench there under a tree and I literally just sat there for like an hour. Um, there were like, you couldn't hear the traffic noises. Like it was just nice to kind of get out of the city um, and have a little bit of peace and quiet after, you know, traveling through Iraq for a week or whatever. So yeah, there's that park there. It's pretty cool. I wouldn't really recommend going there, um, but if you want to go to a park, if you have nothing to do, if you kind of just want to get out of the hustle and bustle of the city, it's there, and, you know, it costs you like a dollar, 50 cents or whatever to get in, and, yeah, it might, you know, satisfy your need for a little greenery in the city. Um, okay, so... That being said, the next day I went back to the museum. I ended up staying the next day, went back to the museum, and I show up, the gate's locked. I'm like, are you serious? And <laughs> luckily there was like two people standing outside the museum. And so I was like, okay, maybe they're open. And so I went down to the other gate, and I had to like go through this other entrance and through like um, a security check. And then they like patted me down and everything, went into the museum, paid for my ticket and stuff inside the museum did the whole museum thing when I left they patted you down again and I've never I've been through a museum where they scan you like on your way in and out I think it was in Paris but to pat you down and everything I thought that was really interesting actually in Egypt they did that um they patted you down they're like you had to go through a metal detector when you left through certain in exits I didn't have to but some of the exits I walked by you did it's kind of interesting but I mean it makes sense like when you've lost half of your you know artifacts due to people smuggling stuff you're gonna make sure that no one does it again um so yeah interesting anyways museum was awesome bottom line i stayed an extra day in baghdad to do it you should too it was great okay so besides the park 
what else is there? There's got to be some other stuff here. So, um, quite a bit, actually. First off, Tahrir Square is like the main square in the city. It's also known as Liberation Square. I think Tahrir means like liberation in um, Arabic. I'm pretty sure. Because there's a lot of Tahrir Squares. There's a Tahrir Square in um, Cairo, actually. And so Liberation Square is basically where they have all like the riots and cool things like that. But then they also have like, you know, get togethers and celebrations. And it's just like a happening place. Like if something's going down in Baghdad, it's probably gonna be happening in that square. There's also a few markets around the square that you can check out as well. There's some graffiti that's pretty cool. There's like a um, underpass sort of that goes by um, Trier Square and you can like look down and there's like graffiti all along the walls of the underpass it's pretty cool actually um so definitely check out Tahrir square it's a, it's a modern i guess modern historical site and I, I think if you're in baghdad you should definitely go see it um there's another square called firdos square and this square is famous for being the location um there used to be a Saddam hussein statue in firdos square and during the iraq invasion there is like a famous picture, famous scenario where the Saddam statue was pulled down um, to the ground. And so that is where this happened. There's like a dirt square with like a piece of metal sticking out of the center of it in the middle of the square. And that is the exact spot where the statue was. So really interesting. I remember when that happened. So like being able to see that place was really, really interesting. There's a mosque right behind the square too, really pretty. That's in all of like the pictures of that event, and so um, still there, really cool to see. A lot of the mosques in um, in Baghdad were really similar. They all had like the teal and turquoise tiling and things like that on the domes and the minarets. Super pretty. I did not go into any mosque in Baghdad. Um, none of them were like they were all like kind of small there wasn't like a huge mosque i feel like there's a difference you know um as someone who's like i don't know if i'm actually allowed to go into this place when it's sort of like a small kind of quaint mosque it's like more off-putting i guess than like a huge mosque where there's like thousands of people around and you're like even if i'm not supposed to be here they're not going to notice sort of thing um so when it's just like a small mosque i'm kind of more hesitant if i should go in or not um, but all the mosques there look super cool, really pretty. I saw a few different ones, and they all had sort of the same same look, but they all looked pretty cool. Okay, so after those two squares, there's a place called the Martyr's Monument. Um, this place is one of the most famous sites, I would say, in the city. And it's like these two, they sort of look like the mosque domes. They're like the onion shape, but they're like cut in half, and there's two of them. And then there's also like the Iraqi flag, like wrapped around like a pillar or something. And it's basically a monument to the, people, the Iraqis who have died uh, fighting for the country. And it's a really, it's a really pretty site. When I was researching it, I thought it was gonna cost me 25,000 uh, dinar to get in. And even on the way there, I was like, man, I don't know if this is gonna be worth, you know, $17 to just get into this site. But when I got there, it ended up only being like 10,000 IQD. So, you know, like five or six dollars, something like that. And so I was like, nah, okay, like that's worth it. Like I'll go in for that much. And so uh, it was really cool. I was literally the only one there until like some random people popped out of like an underground staircase. And I was like, where the heck did you people come from? Um, but really cool. I would definitely check it out. It's right next to this place called like Sinbad's Amusement Park or something like that that is not my cup of tea and so I did not go there one of my cream drivers was like I work at Sinbad you should come and like I'll be your guide around Sinbad and I was like uh maybe like <laughs> full well knowing I'm never going to tell this guy hey I'm coming to Sinbad tonight um you want to like hang out but yeah amusement parks are not usually my thing let alone in a foreign country by myself yeah that just I, was, I had no intentions of going to that place whatsoever but if you have kids and you're in Iraq with your kids or something I don't know check out Sinbad Amusement Park but 
yeah, I don't know safety regulations in Iraq amusement park territory. That's that's not my. Um, I, I'm not very knowledgeable about that, so take that for what it's worth. So, anyways, Martyrs Monument was pretty cool. I would recommend going. It's a pretty cheap um, thing to do and, and really cool. One of the more um, famous sites in the city. Uh, one of the last things that I did in Baghdad was go to the book market, and this is on Al Mutanabi Street. And in fact, I think it's mainly known as the Al Mutanabi Street book market. And it's a really cool place. It's like one of the oldest markets in the city. And a lot of like the smart philosopher people back in the day used to come here and like, you know, read and discuss philosophy. And like a lot of writers used to live around this area. Um, famous poets. Apparently there's a few famous Iraqi poets who used to like frequent this site a lot. And there's actually a statue of one of them. I couldn't, I don't know if it's Al-Mutanabi or not, but there's like a statue um, at the end of the street. It's definitely a cool place to walk around. It's a lot different than most markets because it is just like books. Like you walk down this long street and it's literally just stacks of books. People selling books. Um, there were a few food vendors, but not very many. Literally just like sandwiches and stuff for people who want to read and eat at the same time, I guess. Um, there were a few offshoots with um, other things, mainly like art supplies. There was like um, store selling paper, paints, pencils, different things like that. I collect art whenever I travel, and so I was able to find some paintings there, which were per, uh, pretty cool. So this is one of the more famous markets in Baghdad, so I definitely recommend checking it out. There's a good view of the Tigris River there, um, and yeah, it's pretty interesting. I will say that it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a different type of market and just a pretty cool one to check out. There is this place next to the market and I cannot remember what it's called. I didn't write it down, but it's like one of the oldest Islamic schools in the world. And I think it's about like a thousand years old or something like that. Architecture in this place looks really awesome. However, like I've just randomly stumbled across it and I had remembered seeing it before, but it wasn't a place that I was planning on going, so I didn't really even write it down. But when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm just going to stop in here. And so I walked down, and there's no signs or anything. Like, you literally just, like, have to randomly find it. And so I walked down, and there's, like, this guy, like, sitting there at a table. And I'm like, am I allowed to come in here? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's but it's 25,000 IQD. And I was like, oh, okay, well, never mind. Like, if that's your thing, then maybe it's worth, you know, 17 bucks to go in. But I was not that interested. And so I was just going to kind of walk around, check out the architecture a little bit. But when I was going to have to pay, I just turned around and left. So if that's your thing, that's also in that same little area. Just wander around and you'll find it. Um, last thing in Baghdad is this place called the Shabandar Cafe. So when you're walking down Al-Mutanabi Street, you get to the Tigris River, you get to the statue of that famous Iraqi poet, you literally turn around and there's this building over to your left. So this is like one of the most famous tea cafes in all of Baghdad. And I had seen this several times whenever I was researching places to go in the city. And I thought, like, when I put it into Google Maps, it was actually showing me that it was, like, a block or two away. So I had planned on going there, but when I was, like, standing at the end of the street and I was looking at this tea cafe, I was like, oh, that looks like a pretty cool place. There are a lot of interesting people coming in and out. I was like, I'm going to go check this out. So I go in, sit down. They have lemon tea there. Normally it's just, like, the chai, but they had some lemon tea, that which was really good. And so I'm, like, sitting there. I'm like, this place looks really familiar. And so like, I look on my phone, and sure enough, it's the Shabandar Cafe. So like I said before, don't trust Google Maps or Apple Maps. They're not going to be 100% accurate all the time. But it was really cool. I think the tea cost me like 30 cents, something like that. I think it was like 500 IQD. So really cool place just to sit. There's people just like drinking tea, people reading, people uh, smoking shisha, so it's a really interesting place just to like sit for like, I probably sat there for like 30 minutes and kind of just people watched and cooled off a little bit and had a good time. So definitely recommend checking that out if you are in the area. Um, also, there's another place which 
I kind of like drove by, walked by a place called the Green Zone. And so Baghdad is kind of, I don't actually think it's split very much anymore. Maybe like a small minor piece. But there's a place called the Green Zone. And this is like where all the, you know, the U.S. dignitaries, the Iraqi, like the president, like all the people who are important stay in the green zone it's basically like a heavily militarized zone there's like bomb blast proof walls around the entire place uh it's a really interesting place just to go and see there's um like guards and towers like i was sitting there on a bench waiting for a kareem to pick me up and i look up at a guard tower and they're kind of like dilapidated almost looking and so i just like look up into the guard tower and there's just this dude there sitting with a machine gun um just kind of like browsing around i'm like wow i didn't even know anybody was in there but it's just really interesting to see um you know you know like what iraq is all about and so um that's for how much um i guess war and stuff has happened in that country recently you don't see a lot of it. I mean, you have the checkpoints and, you know, there will be some military walking around every once in a while, but it's not like in your face like you would expect. And so just to kind of see that is like, oh, yep, yeah, that's that's this. So really interesting. Um, not a place that you just want to go to to see, but it's like interesting just to see. Um, it's actually like really hard to get into the green zone. I think even if you have, you have to have like hotel reservations and then even then you have to be like cleared. I don't know. Interesting, interesting stuff. I didn't even, you know, think about going there at all, but being able to see it from the outside was pretty interesting. Okay. So that's Baghdad. Really cool place. It was the first city. I'm, I'm going to say big city, um, that I saw in Iraq and I was actually really surprised um, there were like big, you know, almost like skyscraper buildings there. Um, every, basically every city except for like, I guess Najaf and Karbala were pretty nice. Um, but, you know, a lot of Iraq, southern Iraq is just like dirt roads, trash everywhere you look, every alley there's like a big pile of bottles and just kind of dirty, you know. Um, but in Baghdad, like the streets were clean. There were sidewalks for you to walk on. Um, there were like street lights and it was just, it was pretty nice. I was honestly pleasantly surprised. I had a great time in Baghdad. Like I said, I stayed an extra day and, you know, just walked around, met some people, um, had conversations and hadn't had a good time there. It was really cool. Um, most I'll be honest, most times when I travel, especially in like um, Middle Eastern countries, once it gets dark out, like I'm usually in for the night. Like I'm not going to be go wandering around at like eight or nine o'clock at night. But in Baghdad, a few times, like I said, I was there for like four days. So a couple of the nights I would go out and eat dinner at like 730, 8, 830, 9 o'clock. And maybe it was where I was staying um but i felt totally safe it was like a great it felt like a great part of baghdad like um i saw like one homeless guy the entire time that i was in iraq and it was in baghdad and i kind of you know just walk around and no problems like it was really interesting um i felt totally safe uh in baghdad walking around at night now i probably wouldn't recommend doing that all the time but for someone who usually doesn't do that at all, I felt extremely safe doing it, which was interesting. Okay, so now we get to the fun part. Heading up to Mosul. So there are two garages, which once again, remember a garage is basically like a taxi, uh, a place where all the taxis hang out. And it's usually a little bit more professional. It's um, And what I mean by for professional is there's like, everyone knows that's where the taxis are going to be at that's where they go when they need to take group taxis that's where buses go and things like that so it's like an established place it's not like just to hang out on the corner of such and such street where a bunch of taxis hang out um so there's a north garage and there's a south garage and you can find those i cannot remember the name of it but it's pretty easy to figure out what the name is just google it online so um i was heading to mausel and actually, before I talk about getting to Mosul, let me say this. There is one other place in Baghdad that I wanted to go, 
um, it's called Samara, and there's a minaret in Samara, which is pretty famous. And a couple of reasons kind of deterred me from going there. One, Samara is run by an independent militia group. It's not run by Iraq. And so because of that, there's like a whole bunch of extra security measures and checkpoints and things like that, which is not that big of a deal. Um, one part of it is interesting, like the one of the last checkpoints, they like take your passport and then you don't get your passport until you leave. Little sketchy. I, don't, I was not 100% comfortable with that, but that really wasn't the final straw. The um, minaret in Samara was actually closed for renovations. It closed like a couple of weeks before I left. And so I'd heard of people like talking to the security guards and then they would like let them in from a distance. You could still see the minaret. Um, you used to be able to climb the minaret. I've noticed um, that the government and like UNESCO was there like renovating it and so and restoring it. I think they're kind of, you know, starting to crack down on what tourists are allowed to do like you could used to walk up to the top of the ziggurat and Ur. you can't do that anymore like within the past month or two so i think they're really starting to you know make sure that everything is safe and so because of that i wasn't gonna take you know a thirty thousand iqd taxi up to samara go through all the security stuff um and then you know pay my twenty five thousand whatever to barely see this minaret um so yeah i just didn't think it was worth it at the time if i went back i would definitely you know go um i don't regret not going though it's not something like man i wish i had gone because i don't think it would have um, been the experience that i wanted there and so I, w I was okay skipping it but that is a place that I definitely recommend checking out, see if it's opened yet. I think it was supposed to be closed for a couple of months, so it might be um, back open again. But it's really cool, a really awesome place. Um, one of the most famous sites in all of Iraq, honestly. It's a really cool, really cool spot. So definitely check that out. Um, because of the security, the unfortunate part is it's on its way to Mosul, so it'd be really nice just to be able to drive through on your way to Mosul. But because of the whole militia situation, it's really only... The, way, the only real way that you can do it is to take a day trip from Baghdad um, to Samara. So um, just keep that in mind when you are doing all your planning. Okay, so back to the garage, heading to Mosul. This is the only scenario where I kind of was getting scammed, but at the same time, I think like everything else that happened kind of sketchy. I think it was just all a misunderstanding. Um, so here's the deal. I'm planning on taking a shared taxi up to Mosul because it's like a five hour drive. And so something at that length is gonna cost over 100,000 IQD um, for like just a solo taxi or whatever. So that's, for anything over like an hour, I was okay like going and doing the extra work to get that shared taxi. So I show up and the garages are really run pretty smoothly honestly like there's a lot of just random taxis outside they're like trying to fight for you just like anywhere else but once you go inside like the actual walls of the garage all you just like say i want to go here and they point you in the right direction it's really nice so like i want to go to mazel so they're like okay mazel vehicles are down there at the end so i walk i get about halfway there i ask somebody else to point me in the same direction i keep going and then i finally get there and so i'm talking to this guy and I know this ride's gonna cost me like twenty to twenty-five thousand uh, dinar, and so that's the price point that I'm looking for. So we're talking, and he's got an SUV. So there's like you know seven, eight people going on this ride, and he tells me it's two hundred thousand. At first, it sounded like he said two thousand, and I'm like, mm, I don't think that's right. <laughs> but he's like, no, two thousand, two thousand. So I type it in my phone and I show him two thousand. He's like, oh no. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I didn't think so. And then he types in 200000 And I'm like, okay, no. There's no way that this costs 200000 So I tell him, you know, like I tell him the 20000 20, or whatever. And so we're, we're going back and forth, back and forth. Finally, I get the idea, okay, maybe he's meaning that the whole ride costs 200000 and it needs to be shared. That price is split between everyone going on this ride, which for eight people, 200,000, that's gonna be 25,000, which is reasonable, okay? I'm cool with that. 
So I'm like, okay, I think this is what he means. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to go back and forth. Like, is, is this what you mean? Is this what you're saying? And it's like nothing that I say, like I'm getting that vibe that I'm correct, but he won't say, he won't just straight up say you owe 25,000 for this ride. And if I don't know exactly how much I'm paying, I'm not just going to get into this SUV. So he ends up calling some guy who speaks English. And so like I explain what I think he means and he's like, oh yeah, that's what you mean. That's what he means. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like 25,000 sweet. So once again, I'm like talking to the driver. I'm like, so 200,000 for everybody, but 25,000 for each person to make the 200,000. And he's like, what? I don't know. And so we just keep going back and forth. And I'm still like, even though I have confirmation from other people, I'm like, if the driver does not tell me that it's only costing me 25,000, I'm not getting into this car. So out of nowhere, this dude shows up and he's about, I guess like 20 years old or something like that, speaking great English, great Arabic. He comes in there and he's just like, yeah, this dude's trying to scam you. And I'm like, mm, I don't really know if he was trying to scam me, but at that point I'd been talking to him for like 10 minutes and I'm like, I don't think we're gonna figure this out. And so he, the guy who comes up speaking English, he's like, I've got another shared taxi going to Mosul. We're gonna be leaving in a few minutes. We got a space, you can come with us. And whenever I'm traveling in some foreign country and some dude is speaking great English and he seems like he's on my side, I'm gonna be like, okay, sounds good, let's go. So <laughs> I walk over to his car and um, he's got a few of his buddies going and then there's like a few other random people heading up to Mosul. So I'm like, sweet, so we get in the car, he sits back, he sits next to me in the back, in the back seat of the SUV. And so we take off after maybe like 10, 15 minutes, we head off to Mosul. So we're driving up there and kind of just like minding my own business, whatever. He looks over at me and he's like, so what are you doing today? And I'm like, you know, I have a few sites that I want to go to, but I don't really have anything specific planned. And he's like, okay. Um, and you could really tell like, we had been kind of chit-chatting a little bit, um, just like introducing ourselves and whatever. And I could kind of tell that like, he kind of wanted to like hang out. And so I was like, you know, if you want to like show me around the city or like take me to some cool places, that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. And he's like, yeah, cool. Like I'll show you around, show you all the sites. I'm like, awesome. Well, I go back looking out the window, whatever, like 30 minutes later, he looks over at me and he's like, where are you spending the night tonight? And I don't know if I've really mentioned this or not, but you cannot book a hotel in Iraq ahead of time. Like you can't just type in Mosul into booking.com and find anything. Like there's not going to be a single um, hotel pops up. Or if there is, it's going to be like one, it's going to be like $200 a night, which is ridiculous. So I was like, well, I have a hotel that I'm planning on going to, but I don't have anything booked or anything. And he's like, okay, well, you should stay at my family's house. Like, we'll host you. And, you know, I kind of revert back to, like, you know, a kid, and I'm like, well, is it okay with your mom? <laughs> and he's like, well, I'll check, but it should be no problem. And I'm like, okay, like, that sounds that sounds sweet. Like, yeah, if it's okay with your family, like, that would be awesome. So he, you know, texts his mom or is talking to his parents or whatever, and he's like, yeah, it's cool. So turn to come to find out, this guy's a university student in Baghdad and he was going back home for I guess summer break or one of their school breaks and so um yeah it was really awesome really convenient um, to meet up with this guy so we get to um we get to Mosul and his brother picks us up from the taxi garage there in Mosul um and we go to their house and we have lunch and had an awesome time. I got to meet his family, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then later in the afternoon, he's like, all right, where do you want to go? And so, you know, I had a list of things that I wanted to do in Mosul. Like, there's obviously a reason that I went there. And so, um, you know, I started, like, showing, like, telling him, okay, these are the things that I want to do. And he's like, okay, okay, we can do those things. And then I was like, and then other than that, you know, just, like, whatever you want to do is cool. And so... Um, my microphone just kind of broke, so I'm trying to fix it while I'm talking at the same time. Okay, so anyways, the first stop that we went to, and also he had a car, which was great, because 
I've mentioned this in the last episode, all through Iraq, like it's so difficult just to be like, I want to go here and then here and then here. It's always just like, I got to go from here to here. Take your time on that site and then go here to there and then take your time on that site. It's never just as simple as, I want to go here and then can we stop there for a second and then stop over there. And so having someone with a car, it was so nice. Like I planned two full days in Mosul and we saw all the sites within like an hour and a half. Like that's how simple it was. So anyways... A few things to do in Mosul that I recommend doing um, is first off Nineveh. Now there's not a lot to see of Nineveh. ISIS controlled all of Mosul. It was like the, their last stronghold in the country and they destroyed basically every um, historic site in the country. So they had done some great um, archaeological work on Nineveh and ISIS just destroyed basically all of it. And so you can see the city wall that goes around Nineveh. One of the most famous spots is the Nurgle Gate. Um, there used to actually be like a gate there that you could see. I think there were some Lamassu and things like that. Now it's basically just a hole in the wall, basically. So um, not a lot to see there, but it is cool. You can walk up to the wall, touch it, take a picture in front of it, whatever. Interesting sight to see. Um, and while you're there, I definitely recommend checking it out. There is also the Grand Mosque. It's also known as Saddam's Mosque. He started building it, and then once the Iraq invasion started, um, they stopped working on it, and I think they just started working on building it again like in the past year or so. It's supposed to be, I think, like one of the largest mosques in the Middle East, and it's really interesting. It does not look like any other mosque that I've seen as far as like the decoration i don't know if it's because it's still being built like i don't know if it's going to be look completely different when they're done with it um, but it's a really unique and interesting looking mosque um, and you can actually you can see it from most of the city but we actually like drove right up next to it and got out and like kind of walked around it it was pretty cool um, there's also a castle on the old side of mosul across the river and it's called the bashtabia castle and when I was there, the guys I was with, they were like, I don't really know if that's even there anymore. Like, they didn't really know that much about it. And they thought maybe ISIS had destroyed it. I don't think ISIS has destroyed it because I've seen um, stuff online about it in the past, like, year or so. But I did not actually go there because when we were driving there, there was, like, there's only one bridge that goes across the Tigris River because ISIS destroyed the other bridges. And so the traffic was backed up and, like, at a standstill on the bridge so we didn't even go over there we ended up just like taking a detour and just chilling on the tigris river for the rest of the night just kind of talking and hanging out and stuff so it looks like a really cool place just to like hang out watch sunset you know nice views across the river but i did not actually go there so i cannot confirm or deny whether it is there or a good time but that was on my list and i think you should check it out um, if you can Another thing I wanted to do when I was there and I didn't have the chance was I kind of just wanted to walk around and explore old Mosul. Now this is like where ISIS literally destroyed like this entire side of the river. And so like the entire, that entire bank of the Tigris is just complete ruin. There's like bullet holes in all the walls. There's like, you know, I, there's still like, buildings that have not been cleared of IEDs and things like that over there. Um, now I saw plenty, plenty of like destruction on the other side um, of the Tigers, but that is like the main place where they, you know, headquartered and did a bunch of damage. Um, but I did not go over there. I think it'd be really interesting just to kind of walk around and see, but I did not get to, um, to go over and do that. One thing I will say about Mosul is really cool. Um, there is so much reconstruction work going on, and it's very evident that they are really trying to build themselves up again. And so that was really nice to see because I I don't know if it was like the hardest hit, but it's it was hit pretty hard. And so to see them, you know, actively you know working on roadways, building new buildings. Like, you can tell that they are really, you know, working on their infrastructure and really trying to, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and make themselves, you know, a, a modern city again. So that was really cool to see. Um, 
the guys who lived there were like really proud of it and you could tell like they were really excited about you know what was to come there so that was really cool um the last thing that we did is we went to there's an old sook there or an old market and it this market is huge like we probably walked through it for like 10 or 15 minutes and i could still barely see the end like coming up we ended up just taking like a side street out of it to like you know go back to the main road but it was really cool basically anything that you want to find in a market you can find there there was some raisin juice which i don't think i've mentioned before i had it i think i might have had it in baghdad um or somewhere else maybe in southern iraq i'm not sure um, but they're really famous for their raisin juice and it kind of tastes like grape juice but it's like thicker maybe more syrupy um and the one i had in mazel had like mint in it so it had like that minty flavor too it does not sound that good but it actually is really good um so definitely recommend checking that out um especially in mazel because they said that it's the best in iraq in mazel and maybe that's just a little biased but it was the best that i had so you know check it out if you're gonna try raisin juice try it in mazel um that is all i did in mazel um i'm sure there is much more that you could do there but those are the things that i had on my list staying with this family was super cool you know i got to eat lunch and dinner breakfast with them they let me spend the night at their house it was just a great time um i got to they uh, this guy i stayed with he had uh, his whole family lived there basically and so like some of them spoke english really well and so they wanted to come out and speak english with me so i was able to speak some english and then um, I had been learning a little bit of Arabic, so I was like talking Arabic with them and my pronunciation was absolutely dreadful and it took them forever to figure out what I was actually meaning, but then they taught me the right way and we were all good. And it was just a lot of fun um, to interact with a, you know, a local family. That's not something that you usually have, an, have the opportunity to do. And so I was really fortunate to have that opportunity and I had a great time. It was awesome to talk with them. They had lived in Mosul, and then when ISIS came, they fled to Erbil, and then they came back a few years ago. So it was really interesting to just hear their, you know, their eyewitnesses' accounts and just like, you know, talk to them about what it was like. They were very open about talking about just about anything. So it was really cool. So Hassan, if you're listening, I really appreciate it. Um, that was one of the highlights of my trip for sure. So had a great time in Mosul. They hooked me up then with a shared taxi over to Erbil, which is where I went next. One last thing about Mosul. Um, just like Samara in Baghdad, there's a place called Hatra right outside of Mosul. And this place, I really wanted to go here. It looked like probably besides like Babylon, it looked like some of the best ruins in all of the country. It looked absolutely amazing. However, it is a absolute nightmare, it seems, to get there. And so by that point in the trip, I was like, I'm not even going to bother with this. So here are the steps to get to Hatra if you want to go. First off, you have to buy your ticket to the site in Mosul. And there's not like an actual location to buy this ticket. It's just somewhere next to the Nurgle Gate. And I think I recently saw in that Iraqi Traveler Cafe that I've talked about before that someone actually posted like a geotag of where this ticket office is. So maybe now it'll be a little bit easier to find. Um, but you have to go there and you pay your 25000 to get a ticket. Then you have to get a taxi driver to take you to Hatra and they're going to have to wait there for you and bring you back because it's like in the middle of nowhere, just kind of like Ur was. So that's going to be you know, another 25, 30,000. And then you're going to have to go through several checkpoints. And then I've also heard of like you going through those checkpoints and them denying you, or once you get there, there's like, they don't let you in. So it does seem very difficult to get there. If I go back, I will definitely try to get there. I want to go there. And then Samara, of course. Um, but at that time of my trip, I did not have a lot of wiggle room with my schedule. And it seems more, it doesn't seem like a okay, put it on your schedule Tuesday, we're going to Hatra and you're going to get it done. And it kind of seems like a, okay, I have like three days in Mosul. I'm going to start on the first day to try and get to Hatra. And then if it doesn't work out, I'm going to figure out how to fix what didn't work out and then do it again the next day. And then maybe by the third day I'll have gotten there. So it's, 
it just seems like a real hassle to get there. Maybe they'll kind of shore that up, um, but I'm not really sure. So that is definitely a place I would check out, but make sure you do a ton of research to try and figure out how to get there. I, you know, was asking locals questions about how to get there um, on the on the Facebook group, and like not a lot of people could give you information. And then I talked to my new friend in Mosul, and I was like, okay, I'd already planned on not going to hatred, but then when I met him, I was like okay, maybe he can kind of help me out because he can speak Arabic, he can speak English, maybe we can get there. And even he was like, he'd, he'd never been to Hatred before. And I was like, okay, well, if he's never even been there, he probably doesn't know like about all these tickets and all these other things that you have to do. And so I didn't even really ask him about it besides just seeing if he had been there or not. Um, but that's a place that definitely looks awesome. Um, it was actually where ISIS kept all their munitions, and so when you go there, um, like all the statues and like carvings, um, like all the heads are missing because they were using them as target practice. There's like bullet casings everywhere. Really interesting place. So definitely check that out. Um, it seems like a really cool place if you can get there. Okay, last stop in Iraq is Erbil. Now Erbil is part of Iraqi Kurdistan, which if you have watched a YouTube blog about Iraq, it's probably from Iraqi Kurdistan. Um, like I said, there was only a couple people who I was able to find who'd actually been to federal Iraq. Um, otherwise, they have all just been to Iraqi Kurdistan. Now, Kurdistan is really cool. Um, there's a ton of like hiking um, and nature stuff that you can do there, and it looks beautiful farther up north in Kurdistan. I I probably had time to go do some of that stuff, but I was just ready to plop my bag down and kind of chillax for a couple of days before I flew out um, to Lebanon. And so that's basically what I did. I kind of just, you know, stayed in my hotel during the hot part of the day, wandered around the citadel and, and the square and the markets like the rest of the time. And I just had like a relaxing couple of days there in Herbal. Um, Kurdistan is definitely more Western. Um, they have, you know, had tourism for several years now at this point, and so it's a lot easier to navigate and, you know, get around. Like once I got there, um, you know, by the end of being in Iraq, I had kind of figured a lot of it out. But there was still like once I got to Iraq, I was like, okay, this is just like anywhere else I've been. There's nothing crazy new here, like there was in southern Iraq, and so um, it's definitely a cool place to. Um, you know, go if you're not comfortable with the rest of Iraq, but it does have all those same negative connotations of, you know, traveling through more touristy places. So, um, with that being said, there's quite a few things to do in Herbal. The first is the Citadel. The Citadel is like the main um, attraction there. The Citadel is actually one of the longest continually habitated places in the world. Um, so it's really cool. It's different though because you think, okay, like this is like one of the oldest cities in the world. You think it's gonna be like really ancient, but the fact that it's been continually lived in forever, basically, like everything is kind of like, you know, I guess people stopped living there maybe like a hundred or so years ago, and so everything's like from a hundred or so years ago. So yes, it's like you know clay brick houses and things like that, but it's not like rudimentary, and they had them. Um, they had a few of the houses like decked out like they would have been and so it was really cool to kind of just take a glimpse in and see what it used to be like um, but it definitely is interesting because it's like not really ancient even though it is ancient um, there's not much to do on the citadel just besides walking around there is a textile museum there and textile museums are not typically something I would go and do but it was like super hot in the middle of the day I didn't have anything else to do and it cost like maybe two dollars to go in and I could feel the AC felt amazing inside and so I was like okay I can look at rugs for a few minutes you know to get inside some AC so I did go to the textile museum it was pretty interesting there were some pretty rugs hanging out and there was a little bit of you know um, cultural information about the Kurdish people which was interesting as well so if you need some AC or just wandering around don't have much of anything else to do I would recommend checking that out um, okay what else is there to do 
there are several parks in Herbal. Um, one of them is called the Minaret Park, and it's called that because there's a minaret there, and it's a minaret from an old mosque. Once again, it's one of those parks that's locked and closed and with a gate around it, and so I couldn't go in, and I don't really know why a park would be closed, but it was. Um, luckily, the minaret is like right next to the gate, and so you can still see it and take a couple pictures of it, but I was not able to go inside this park. And I didn't walk entirely around the park, so maybe there were a couple other gates I could have gone in through, but I didn't see anybody in the park either. So that kind of was just like discouraging and did not make me want to walk anymore around this park. Um, but there is one park which was awesome. It was called the Sami Abdul Rahman Park, and this place was massive. It was huge and it was it was a really awesome park there was like a big old lake in the center there was someone like on a huge boat riding around on this lake there was a ton of grassy areas you can like rent golf carts and like drive around um i heard that you could like rent bicycles and ride around it was just a really cool park there was a ton of grass um it was a really pretty place um they had like a few different like monuments and things set up in the park definitely recommend checking that out um I kind of just wandered around the park for a couple hours my last day there in Herbal, and I had a great time. So that's that was definitely my favorite park in all of Iraq, and you know, if you're kind of having a slow day and you want a little bit of nature inside the city, I would definitely recommend checking out that park. Um, there is, right next to the Citadel, there is like a big square there, and there's a whole bunch of shops inside the marketplace there. Um, it's kind of like a labyrinth. Like, I walked around there three or four times, and... You know, I knew where I was at certain times, and then at certain times I was like, I've never seen this little alleyway before in my life. And so you can kind of just wander around, get lost, go look and see what you can find. And there's a lot of good food around there. And yeah, it's just a cool place to kind of wander around and explore. The last place I'll recommend going to is the Jalil Kayat Mosque. And okay, last story of this episode. This mosque, so I saw this mosque when I was on top of the citadel. I was just like, there's a great view of the city from the top of the citadel, and that's the point of a citadel. And so I'm looking, and I see this mosque, and it does not look that far away. I think it ended up being like three-quarters of a mile away from my hotel or something. And so I'm like, that mosque looks really cool. I'm going to walk there. And so I Google it, and this mosque looks incredible, like... The only mosque that I had been into so far on this trip had been the shrines. And the shrines, while absolutely gorgeous, looked the same. They all had like the green neon and then like mirrors everywhere. So it was like, yes, these are beautiful, but they all look the same. So I, was, if I, I wanted to see something different. And this mosque looked completely different. I'd never seen a mosque like this before. It had like red and white, had like candy cane looking tiles inside. It looked really interesting and unique. So I was like, I got to check this out. So I walk all the way over to the mosque, like I said, it was like three quarters of a mile, and I get there, and there's a ton of people there, and there's a parking lot outside, packed. I walk up, and things are a little different, okay? Like, I can tell, like, there's, like, it's not just prayer going on, but it's like, I don't know if they have sermons or what they have, um, but it was something like that going on. And I was like, this is interesting. I have never, never been at a mosque when something like this, this crowded is going on. And so I kind of just kind of, I hung out outside a little bit and there's like a group of people outside. There were a ton of people inside and it was weird because they had like the main mosque and then they had like this other room where all the people were at. And so I couldn't figure out how to get into the mosque side and maybe I could have gotten into the mosque side if I had tried. But before I could do anything, this older guy came out and he was like, um, he was basically like, you can't come in today. It's like our holy day, but you can come tomorrow. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, I'll come back tomorrow. So I left. And like I said, maybe I could have gone into the actual mosque that day. Maybe that was okay. But just not this other random building where all the people were inside. I really don't know. But once again, not a lot of people spoke English or enough to kind of figure out what was going on and so when he said that I was like respected like cool I'll come back tomorrow no big deal now my flight left at say I think it left at like 3 in the afternoon maybe 3 30 something like that 
So the next morning I get up and like I pack up all my stuff. I leave my bag at the uh, hotel and I take a taxi over to this mosque. I get there around like 10 in the morning, something like that. And so I go inside and there's obviously there's like a gate around the mosque. And so I can go inside the gate and everything and I'm kind of walking around. There's nobody there. And it's like really interesting. And so kind of just wandering around. Um, I see an open door. So I go inside the open door and it like basically just leads me to where the mosque is. Like I don't actually go inside anywhere. So I get to the mosque and the doors are closed and there's no lights on or anything. And I'm like, is this mosque closed? I've never seen a closed mosque before in my life. Like sure, maybe at like midnight, but not at 10 in the afternoon. And so I'm like, this is really weird. So I walk around a little bit more and then finally I notice a few guys, they're like eating lunch. And so I walk up to him and I'm like, is the mosque closed? Like, can I go inside the mosque? And they're like, oh, the mosque is closed. And I'm like, what? Like literally I've never seen a closed mosque. And they're like, yeah, it opens at two. You can come at two and we'll be open. And I'm, I'm like so confused because like I said, I've never seen a closed mosque. And I'm like, there's like two or three calls to prayer before two o'clock. Like, are they closed through the call to prayer? Like I'd, I've literally never seen this before, and I'm still confused about why it was closed. So if anyone knows, please let me know. So I'm like, well, okay, I can't. I obviously can't come at two because I my flight leaves at three thirty, so I got to be at the airport before two, or at least at two. So I'm like, okay, well, that sucks, but whatever. Thanks. Um, so yeah, that's my story about the Jaleel uh, Kayat Mosque, and it looked absolutely beautiful. All the reviews said it was like one of the prettiest mosques in the Middle East, and so really upset i didn't get to go see it that's probably the thing that i am more upset about than even like a hatred in the minaret in samara is not being able to see this mosque so if you're in herbal not on a friday and after two o'clock i guess um, make sure that you go check out this mosque because it looks absolutely incredible and that's the last thing I did. I went to the hotel, got my bag, and peaced out to the airport. Now, last thing I will say, the airport and herbal is kind of weird, okay? So basically, you take your taxi or whatever, you drive to the airport, which I used a cream, by the way. You can use cream to take it to the airport. And I need them to, like, give me ad revenue on this episode. So anyways, I get close to the airport, and there's, like, a checkpoint. By this time, checkpoints, pff, old news, whatever, like just get me through this thing so we get up to this checkpoint and it's basically like they look in your trunk to make sure you're not hiding anything in there and they pat you down and then they send you on your way and it's like okay like yeah you patted me down but did you look in my bag okay whatever anyways so we go through there and they take us to like this satellite building and the building is literally it has like drop off pickup on the side of it and so my driver drops me off there and so I've obviously never been to this airport before in my life. And so I'm like, okay, well maybe this is where security is. And then once you go through security, then they drive you to the tarmac for your airplane. I didn't know. So it's literally like, I got there pretty early. So I probably got there at like maybe one, one o'clock, something like that. And so I had like a couple hours before my flight and so basically anywhere besides the u.s for some reason they don't show you your gate number until like 30 minutes before your flight is supposed to take off like the boarding time on your boarding pass is when they show you your um your your gate and for some reason everybody else knows the gate except for me because like i'll show up like i was in turkey and it's like the gate will pop up at 10:45 or whatever. So I'm I'm literally staring at the screen at 10:45 when it shows up for the very first time. I make a beeline to my gate, and the t the gate's already full of people. I'm like, how did everybody in this airport know where this gate was except for me? I don't know. I still don't understand. Anyways, so I'm sitting there in this like satellite building, and I'm like, okay, my gate number is not up on the board. My flight is, but my gate number is not. So I guess I'll just wait here for a little bit. So I literally, I wait there for like 45 minutes. There's like a huge crowd of people that go through like the security check. And finally the security check, there's like nobody there. So I just get up and I like ask the guy like, can I go ahead and go through security? He's like, oh yeah, sure. So he checks my passport. He checks my boarding pass, sends me through security. So I go through security. They put a, um, a sticker on my bag that says I've gone through security. I'm like, cool. 
So you go through the security check and you get on a bus and then this bus takes you to the actual airport. Now the confusing part is because that all makes sense. All the security nowhere close to the terminals, nowhere close to the actual airport makes complete total sense. I get that. What doesn't make sense is once we got to the actual airport, there were taxis and private cars and people getting out hugging family members and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, hold up. Like, why did I have to go through all this extra security and then take a bus to get over here and then y'all just drove straight up to the airport? I don't understand how that happened. Like, did they have to go through extra security? I don't know. It was all really weird. But at that point, then you go in, and I guess since I had the security tag on my bag, the security at the front door just let me in, and then some of the people he, like, made go through more security. So I guess that was kind of nice, but it was still really weird. Um, so then I walk through, I go up to immigration. So I get up to immigration and the guy's like, do you have your boarding pass? And so I was flying Middle East Airlines and they luckily allowed me to check in online, get my boarding pass online, just like any online check-in should allow you to do. Don't get me started on that. And so I show him my boarding pass and he's like, no, you need a paper boarding pass. You need a boarding pass. And I'm like, this is a boarding pass. And he's like, no, that's, that doesn't work. And I was like, it literally says boarding pass on this thing. Like, why doesn't this work? And he's like, you need a paper one. So go get in line and get a paper boarding pass. And I'm like, okay. So I go get in line. Luckily there's nobody in line for check-in. So I go check-in and check-in lady takes all my stuff, gives me a paper boarding pass, walk back, get through immigration. Immigration line is super slow. Finally get up there and was in like was I don't know what this guy was looking at, but he was like first off he was on his phone for probably like five minutes. Um and I don't even think it had anything to do with me. He was just like on the phone. I was like, Okay, take your time, dude. And then finally, like he gets off his phone and then he's just like looking at my papers, he's looking at my visas, he's typing stuff on his computer, he's asking me how I got into Kurdistan and he kept saying like oh you came in like you came from baghdad and i was like no i came from Mosul." and he was like didn't believe that i came from Mosul, so i don't know what was going on in his computer system but finally stamped my passport i grabbed that thing and i was i was off um so yeah interesting airport um i'd never been to one like that before so i just figured it might be useful to talk about it here because it was pretty unique but um yeah that was my time in Iraq, all two weeks of it. So, I like I said, I will do one more episode, kind of just wrap everything up. There's a few things that I just want to put some final thoughts on, and I will do that in a following episode, probably like 20, 30 minute um, episode to do all that. But this was my time in Southern Iraq, Central Iraq, Northern Iraq. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it you know showed you a few things, a few things to do. Um, And yeah, thanks for listening. Remember, it's up to you to make your life interesting. So get up, get out, explore the world, take that next adventure. Remember, there's pictures on my Instagram and my saved stories of this entire trip. So if you want to put any photos with anything I just said, feel free to do that there. Feel free to, you know, comment on any of the pictures to ask me questions um, or any tips or anything like that you'd like to know. Um, like I said, there's not a lot of information out there on traveling to federal Iraq, so I'd be happy to answer any questions for you um, to make this um, a little easier for you. So thanks again, and I'll talk to you later. See you.